When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 17. I am Evan Marinovsky, alongside host Connor Ryan. Connor, how we doing? Evan, I'm doing swell. How you doing? Uh, about as good as you can be right now. Yeah. Uh, times are tough for me, as they probably are for you as well. I don't think you're, you're not in quarantine. I am not uh, in quarantine, no. I did, get a, I, did, I did get a test today, so I did one of those drive-through testing, which was, waited a little bit, but... All things considered, it was pretty seamless, and you should get tested because shit is not great out in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts right now. So yes. if you're listening, get a test, you jabroni. Get tested. I've been tested, I think, over 20 times now, and I'm, I've been negative knock on wood every time. I mean, this is a street that really is unmatched. Yeah. Um, but I will say I was most surprised by my recent negative tests. I was in some ways baffled. I've been in quarantine for since Friday of last week. Friday night, I was transported to the hotel here at UMass. Um, they take in like a, a COVID van. It's like a big Dodge caravan, that like the middle's taken out of, and there's like a big barrier. Um, they make you feel like you've been, you're completely just isolated. I have not been outside since. I have been in a hotel room for six days now, and I still have, I believe, seven more to go. Because, Fine. or six, six. Because I'm supposed to be out the 18th. Now, if I test positive during that time, I'm transported to a different location where there's just positive people. And everyone's just very happy. Everyone's very, it's, it's just a, you know, everyone's having a great time. It's big parties and everything. But that then, uh, in that time, I'm transported to a new place and I have 10 days from that point. So if I was, if I tested positive or if I test positive from here on out, I pretty much miss Thanksgiving. Um, so that is a great, uh, that is a great, <laughs> great scenario. Um, the unfortunate thing is my, my family has COVID right now. I've not been around my family. They've, that's a totally different separate case. Um, people in my family have COVID. Uh, so it's just a mess. And it, one is of my not, it is not great. One of my roommates from college. It's funny, actually. I don't mean to ramble or make this about me, but. I think this is interesting. It goes to show you how unpredictable this virus is. Uh, my mom has been the most strict social distancer, most strict mask wearer you could possibly think of. She goes out, she, you know, she barely sees her friends or anything. Uh, on Halloween or the day after Halloween, she went and saw my aunt and uncle. And they were all outside. They were all in masks, you know, distanced. And they were just talking. And my aunt and uncle tested positive a few days later. My mom is like, oh, I might as well just get tested, you know, never know, but just mm-hmm. make sure I feel fine. She tests positive on, on, you know, a few days later. And I'm like, oh my God. Um, but nonetheless, me and one of my roommates, my roommate's girlfriend tested positive. Um, he was with her for an entire day while she was positive. He has since tested negative five, four or five days later. And I was with people for an hour or two who were positive, you know, in class. So, you know, we didn't have masks on or any, or 
we usually wear masks in class, but we were on camera, so we didn't have masks. There's a picture actually of a, me and a COVID sandwich. Um, but you just have uh, the curve your enthusiasm music playing <laughs> in the background. I should probably make that. I, I, that's a, that's just a, just a slow pan in as as it plays and cuts yes. to the credits. <laughs> I I think I should do that. That's actually a great idea. I'm gonna write that down. Curb idea for uh, TikTok. Um, but that's how bored I am. I would do that stuff. Uh, and I've been documenting my life here in the hotel on TikTok. So if you're so inclined, go follow me over there. Um, but we, me and my roommate have both tested negative uh, in our two tests since we learned if the positives were around. So this virus is unpredictable. Bottom line, go yep. get tested. Uh, yes. don't, don't, don't end up like me. Don't end up like me. In a, don't in end a up making TikToks in a hotel room. <laughs> yes. What a year. What a year it's been. But at any rate, um, you've been, how is it being outside? It must be fun. How's the fresh air? Well, it was uh, great this past weekend cause it was like 60 degrees. So the, it doesn't feel like November. So I think, unfortunately, I think you're going to be let loose and it's going to be back to 40 degrees, but no complaints over here. I mean, just keeping busy with the same old stuff, but hopefully getting some clarity pretty soon on when the NHL is coming back, or at least some more concrete details. What we've, it's funny because the NBA is going like all full steam ahead. Like they got the draft like next week. And then like a month later, we're back to Christmas back to the NBA season. Yeah. But even before it's like December 22nd. And then meanwhile, yeah. the NHL is like, Oh, you know, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. And it's like, we we'll haven't really, yeah. They announced back in like the start of October that they were looking at January 1st. And we haven't heard anything like concrete until then. So we're all just still in that holding pattern. Yeah, I mean, it's this weird place where, I mean, it almost, it'd be so much better if we were doing an NBA podcast because we could have, you know, concrete stuff and we'd know when things are happening. The draft is Thursday night, correct? Yeah. Tonight is the recording. Uh, well, the 18th. Yeah. So, oh, so it's next week. Next Never mind. week. Yeah, it's th- next week. Not... It's next week. And then free agency starts like two days after that. I think it's the 20th. I got, so, I got so excited because I was like, oh my God, I'll have something to watch tonight. Nope. I think great I have Netflix, but no, I, yeah. I will not. You got Xbox the is. I do. I'm not a golf guy, though. I'm really not a golf guy. I know. I know. I'm not a golf guy, though. Uh, but we do have some NHL news, a little bit of NHL news. Um, Gary Bettman came out uh, in a meeting with uh, a, the 2020 Paley International Council Summit uh, with fellow commissioners Adam Silver and Rob Manfred uh, and basically said uh, that because travel's weird, because Canada is the way it is with their restrictions, they may end up doing you know 10 to 12 day bubbles with certain teams in each bubble just playing each other and then you'd go home for a week and then you go back I, what are your initial reactions to this because yeah I'm, what are your initial reactions yeah i mean it's the nhl is in a definitely on a tough spot where so much of the league is focused up in up in canada and um We've talked about it before, but it seems like they're going along the same wavelength of we're probably going to have very different alignments this year. We're probably going to have an all-Canadian division. I assume the the Bruins are going to be in this kind of northeast corridor kind of thing where it's going to be a lot of games against, you know, the Rangers, the Devils, Islanders, Flyers, all those teams. So um, that's not really much of a surprise. I think the writing was kind of on the wall there that we were going to have these regional-based um, kind of schedules. The you know, the short-term hubs, I think is what they've called it, is kind of interesting in terms of, um, I, I think from the league's perspective, and especially from the players' perspective, I think the ideal situation is, all right, even if 
we're not going to have full arenas or even 10% full, you know, it, it still would be good if they can at least do some regular, you know, scheduling in terms of travel, like even if it's, you know, a kind of a baseball kind of scheduling where it's like, all right, you go down to New York and you play the Rangers three times in a row. Different, but at least you're going from one arena to the other. You have probably safety protocols in place. If you're doing a thing now where it's short-term hubs where, you know, all right, you have teams that are kind of sequestered for 10 days, 12 days, 14 days. I'm not sure how the players are going to feel about being in a situation like that where it's kind of like a, a rotating cycle, right, where you're in that for two weeks, maybe you're out for two weeks, go in for another short-term hub. So, um, again, it's better than, uh, you know, a full bubble situation the entire season, which was never going to be on the table, right? Those players are, would never agree to that. And they probably don't even want to do that for <laughs> the next Stanley Cup playoffs again, right? You hope that maybe by the spring either there's, uh, you know, vaccines or, you know, rapid testing or something that makes it so it's not like they have to be in a full isolation bubble again for months on end. But, um at the very least, it seems like the NHL is covering all of its bases in terms of what it wants to do in terms of getting the season off the ground, because um, I think you have to have all kinds of different contingency plans. Cause you don't want to be like the NFL, which granted the NFL hasn't let these outbreaks stop their season, which you could make the argument that they should have, you know, as soon as they got those first tests, like taking a week off or planned for, you know, a week 18 to, to plan those things. At least the NHL is, you know, Hopefully it's a situation where it's just a different kind of travel schedule, but creating the possibility of these short, short-term hubs at least gives you a, a window to kind of fall back on in case, you know, the regular kind of travel schedule is not conducive to what the COVID kind of climate is. Yeah. So it's an interesting point you make. I mean, the, the short-term hubs seem like, you know, cool and all that stuff. I just wrote down quickly. I mean, I think the, eight team division if they did eight team divisions mm-hmm. um for the bruins probably i'm just looking at a map of where nhl teams are yeah. bruins rangers islanders devils sabers flyers capitals penguins it's a tough division yeah. um <laughs> poor, poor sabers poor sabers, poor sabers and, and poor... devils yeah exactly <laughs> that is not an easy division i mean you have the no. capitals you have the penguins you have the islanders rangers and you have the bruins um but i think past that we're at this weird point with covid where it's everywhere mm-hmm. it's everywhere and now it's the winter where basically you know during the summer there was a lull i mean there were still cases obviously but it wasn't as big of a thing mm-hmm. um now it's so different now the cases are rising quickly if the curfews in massachusetts uh i mean i'm in quarantine right now as i said but uh, you know i feel like in some ways the nfl as bad as it's been with covid <laughs> and stuff credit to them for chugging along I mean, they, and, and, and this is unpopular, but they've just kept going. And I feel like at some level, you know, the, I feel like the NHL has two options. You either have hub short-term hubs where players are on weird travel schedules uh, and they're, you know, in a hotel room for 12 days or whatever it is. They're one place, you know, they, they're limited on when they can go outside, but they're safe from COVID mm-hmm. or you let them live life normally and, and all that stuff or as normal as you can. And you accept the fact that you might get COVID or a team might get COVID or a team might miss three games in January because they had an outbreak. Like I feel like it's a give and take. And obviously you don't want anyone to get COVID. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm advocating for. But at the same time, I feel like the NFL might've been a model for, if you'd like to opt out, opt out, but 
if you accept the fact that you might get COVID, but you can still play normally or you can still hang out with your family and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, maybe that's an option. Now it sounds like that's not what's going to happen. It sounds like they're going to do the short term hubs. Yeah. Um, but I do like how they're staying in at one area or they're staying in like, you know, specific parts of the country. They're not like, I remember back in September, we were talking about, it sounded like the NHL wanted 82 games yeah, in a short amount of time. Happen. Yeah. And they wanted, uh, they wanted, they didn't care about travel. It was, you know, the, the Bruins are going to do their West coast road trip. And it was like, yeah. I don't think that's going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they can take bear force one and have that be very safe. So there, there you, you go. go. Um, but to me, uh, I think they have two options there and I don't know if I favor one over the other. I know it sounds like very on the fence, mm-hmm. but you know, the, hu- the short term hubs are a good idea. Um, but I mean, you know, there was that ESPN piece. I mean, granted that was the playoffs, but you know, people weren't loving the hubs. No. Like they loved, the, <laughs> they loved the bubble. Um, they didn't, like, they didn't like sunny Edmonton. No, they did not. They did not like sunny Edmonton. It was, weren't there, I remember in that piece, there were a ton of things promised to the players. Like they got brochures that made it look like they were going to stay at a country club. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like a Marriott. Or, or like they couldn't even go golf and they had to bring like the entire team. So if like one dude just sucked at golf and was like, nah, I'm out. Like I can't do it. It's like, all right, well, uh, it seemed like it was a lot of like, uh, brochures or there was something that was advertised that I think was like a running gag of like, oh, did you go to like, We'll just say like the fancy lounge. Like, oh, did you go to the fancy lounge? And like, it wasn't even there. Like, I remember this. So there, there was definitely something that the NHL was not thrilled that that got out that the players openly were not uh, fans of, especially the the facilities in Edmonton. I think were especially. I think teams that were coming from Toronto were disappointed coming to Edmonton because I think the hotels weren't really uh, set up as well. Yeah. And what's funny is I watched a video by Business Insider. They do these really cool inside videos. They did one on how the food works, how the food system works in the NBA bubble. It was fascinating. They hired chefs and they had different, you know, cooking stations and those people could not go anywhere. Those people had to be like very, because I mean, if you're, if you have COVID, you're handling food, good luck to you. Um, but they, uh, they, they did an interesting video on how they made the food good. Cause remember at the beginning of the NBA bubble, Everybody was like, oh, this food sucks. You know, we're getting like, you know, <laughs> half peanut butter and jelly so, sandwiches. Salisbury steak, Lunchables. <laughs> yes. I, I also think the NHL is probably, now the NBA has kind of got the gears turning and we should probably, we should hopefully be getting some more concrete details from the NHL pretty soon. But I imagine that, especially with Gary Bettman speaking during this conference with, you know, Adam Silver there, I assume there's probably going to be a lot of collaboration between those two teams because they're probably the closest in terms of scheduling, in terms of the winter sports. So sharing arenas. Uh, yeah. You know, I think with the NBA, you know, I haven't really seen anything too drastic in terms of um, their, you know, adjust- obviously there's going to be safety protocols and all that stuff. And I believe it's also going to be a lot of very regional based teams. So I think the Celtics are going to be playing, you know, the Atlantic division and, you know, teams like the Knicks. A lot of Kyrie Irving. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they're going to be adjusting to that too, but I don't think there's any like plan, I think for like short term hubs or anything like that. Um, granted they don't, NBA doesn't have to navigate having, you know, a bunch of teams up in Canada. Like I, I imagine probably the Raptors are going to move down to somewhere in the, in the U S I think they're just kind of debating that right now, but as well, the Blue Jays did, they'll stay in Buffalo. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, the NBA is a little bit different, but their schedules are kind of aligned along the same way, as you said, the same venue. So I imagine that Gary Bettman and the NHL is probably going to take uh, quite a few pages out of kind of the NBA's book going forward. And it seems like they're, as long as it's like the safety protocols, it's kind of the same schedule that we're kind of used to. 
uh, in terms of just the regular, you know, home and away kind of travel. So I imagine those two leagues are probably going to reflect uh, pretty heavily this year as they try to navigate, try to get these two seasons off the ground, which is easier said than done. It's funny. I'm looking at these eight teams um, and I'm looking at potential hubs mm-hmm. for this. And now this is something NHL probably won't announce for a long time because yes. it, you know, it was kind of like the hubs back in the summer. It was, when do we announce it? You know, what hub, yeah. good hubs places that look good in June or May do not look good in August. Um, I could see Boston being a hub. Boston is very locked down. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you have the garden ice, which is, uh, but you do have a lot of ice facilities around there that mm-hmm. people could practice at. You have a lot of hotels. Um, It's a safe city. I mean, mm-hmm. with, with, you know, lockdowns and stuff like that. I mean, Massachusetts taking this very seriously. It's not Florida. It's mm-hmm. not the rest of the country, which is most of it is a lot of it's opened up. Right. Um, which I also think makes you think this Northeast division or whatever they call it will probably be the one that has the most games because yeah. they'll probably be the safest. Uh, I would imagine whatever division the Panthers and lightning are in, they'll have COVID outbreaks. Um, and I wonder if they play through them. I'm very interested to see what happens when a team has a COVID case. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of these NFL teams have a COVID case and they're just like, Oh, we'll, we'll play on Sunday. Uh, so I'm very interested to see what happens with the other divisions, but could you see Boston as a hub city? That'd be kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think you got that or you got, I think the whole kind of New York metropolitan area, both those make plans. Yeah. Um, obviously the New York city area, along with just a lot of rings, they have a lot of NHL level rings, right? I mean, you go in between Nassau and people hate Barclays, but if that's a place you need to need to use um, MSG, uh, Prudential Center over in Newark. So, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different areas. So, um, but Boston makes plenty of sense though, in terms of, it just depends on whether it's the, the, the problem with Boston is Boston's always viewed as an appealing venue. It's do the people of Boston actually want all this stuff here. You know, it's not like it's the 2024 Olympics by any means. Right. But it's still one of those things where do you want in the middle of a pandemic, all these other teams kind of coming here and this whole kind of thing based in the city when we're trying to, more or less get us together right now with, with COVID, but um, there's plenty of options they could take though. It, it is interesting what they would pick for Cause it's not like, as you said, you know, when the NHL opted to not go to Vegas cause outbreaks were breaking out in Vegas, they could be like, all right, well, we're just going to go up to Canada. But like now you're seeing, there's not a, f- a couple of places really that are not dealing with surges right now. Like even Ontario, I think is spiking a whole bunch of other places are. So it's not like there's like one area of the country that's, you know, plateaued or going downhill everywhere. It's kind of in the same spot. So it's a little bit tougher in that regard to finding like a definite venue to kind of have one of these hubs at. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, again, as, as you said, everywhere is spiking. So at some yeah. level, you just have to accept it. I mean, that's the sad part. The good thing is the vaccine though, Pfizer came out, on earlier this week and said that they're 90 they have a 90 percent effective vaccine yes. now Very it's going to take a long time for that to get out it's going to take a long time for that to be distributed um but they say i mean potentially by end of next summer potentially or, so or april is what i heard for, april would and be also awesome. and, and also it could be impacted by the fact that you know again not to get too technical but there's also you know moderna has their vaccine oxford has some so if more of these vaccines get approved with knock on wood, 90, you know, 85, 90% success rate and creates more available vaccines that you can mass produce. Hopefully it bumps up the timeline. So again, it's, 
I found that in this year, it's tough to get, you know, invest too much in optimism in terms of these things, but at least you're kind of seeing the, hopefully the end of the tunnel in terms of this shitty year. So it's at least one positive thing that hopefully as much as this upcoming season for the NHL and any other sports league is going to be pretty messed up scheduling wise, you hope that by the time, you know, the 2021, 22 season starts and the fall of 2021, that hopefully we slowly are getting back to normal, at least a little bit. Yes, I would love that. That would be really fun. That would that be would fantastic. Be, I would I would smile at that. I mean, the, the, even the idea of like going back to normal just makes me smile because uh that would be that would be awesome. So I would I would I would never be more excited to be stuck in traffic driving into the garden. Than... I wouldn't either. I'd I'd be so pumped um to be stuck in traffic again or be in line somewhere. I mean, you can't, I would I would I'd hug the people in front of me. Just like, high five awesome. everyone, even people <laughs> yes. in Boston be excited, yeah. We're back. 15 minute wait for like the dunks across from the garden. Let's go. Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, but so uh, switching topics, you have been ranking prospects over at BSJ uh, and you have been ranking them at one through 25. So we'll start with one through five. Cause I think those are the most important ones. Those are probably the ones that get all the attention. Uh, number five, you had Swayman. Number four, you had, let me scroll to it to make sure I get it right. You, oh, I just clicked out of the link. Uh, but you had Frederick, Frederick and three, you had back and two, you had, uh, Johnny Beecher, number one, obviously Jack Stanika. Yep. You look at those top two, especially, I mean, that is the future for them. I think down the middle, mm-hmm. most likely. Um, and you have back and nine and at three, that's a pretty, you know, he's someone that a lot of people expect to come in probably this year mm-hmm. and make an impact. Swayman's going to take a while to develop. Frederick is probably your future down on the third line or fourth line. We still really don't know why he was picked in the first round, but that's okay. Um, Out of those five, I mean, what do you – I mean, we think Stanika probably comes in this year and and makes an impact. Do you you think Stanika lives up to this hype that he is the next Bergeron? Uh, Well, I wouldn't put him in that level of Bergeron. I think that was kind of the the tough spot for him is getting compared to – a player of that caliber. And I think people have to measure their expectations. Like I, I'm always impressed when you see Stanika out there. I think what stands out, obviously the, the skill, the speed, all that stuff's great. It's what makes it easy for people to retweet videos of him or stuff to get excited about kind of the skill he brings. Um, the fact that he's got top six potential, uh, what stands out to me though, whenever I watch Stanika plays, even though he's still, 15, 20 pounds wider than what he should be up at the NHL level. Um, for a guy with all that skill, he's still not afraid to bring the puck into great ice even when he's going to get the shit knocked out of him. He's always kind of behind the net. He's, you know, chasing after loose pucks, making something happen. Uh, you look at the numbers, and even up in t- the Toronto bubble where he wasn't getting a lot of reps, the Bruins numbers always seem to tilt in their favor pretty heavily, especially in terms of high danger chances whenever he was on the ice. That's just off of a lot of it, off of just his willingness to operate in that great AI and generate those chances. So I think for a guy like him, if you're generating those looks, you're with uh, a talented, you know, playmaker like Coyle or Krejci or kind of wherever he fits into this lineup. Um, I think the points are going to be there, or even if maybe they're not points on the board, it's still a guy who contributes to the success of this team in terms of generating those chances, especially at five on five where they, they desperately need some of that. So again, I, I would temper your expectations if you think he's going to jump in and be, you know, a, a call to finalist. If he is, that's fantastic. But I think, you know, if he comes in this year and, 
has 25, 35 points, I think that's a pretty damn successful year. I mean, David Bosner didn't light the world on fire his first few seasons. He had to put on a bunch of weight. He had to deal with kind of that. And they're not really totally similar players, you know, in terms of how they kind of go about their game. But if Sidney can develop eventually down the road, you know, three, four years down the road as a top six center, then I I think that kind of fits along with what his kind of projections are. Um, and it seems like there's a little bit of a gap between what he kind of projects out to be and what a few of these other guys are in terms of, you know, even a guy like Johnny Beecher, who I think you watch his tape and it, he's kind of like a more skilled, faster Frederick that you hope that maybe his offensive skills translate into maybe he becomes a, a top six guy. Um, but I, I think it, it's tough looking at this upcoming season, whether it be in the collegiate level or in the AHL where they're not going to start until February and that there's so many guys, I think that you're hoping that this was going to be the year they take a big step forward. And it's, I wouldn't say it's a lost season, but you're not going to get guys getting the full kind of breadth of what they, what they were hoping for this year. Like Swayman, you hope that it'd be a full season down in Providence and he'd be fighting with Dan Vladar for minutes it's going to be kind of tough to get both those guys lengthy amount of reps this year. So um, it's going to be tough to project how, how for how far along these guys are going to be from the NHL, especially at the end of this year. But I think you look at Stanika, he's a guy that even if he maybe doesn't stop the year in the NHL, I imagine he's going to end the year with the Bruins and hopefully kind of contributing pretty heavily to the team's success. Yeah. I mean, I see him, as a lock for that third line right wing spot, or at least you should. I mean, that's, that's my expectation. As you said, 25, 30 points. Uh, I mean, I think my expectation and a lot of people's is that third line right wing spot. I think that would be perfect for Stadnika to enter the NHL and to, to be next to coil. Um, Cause they looked good in the bubble. And I think that, you know, the Bruins are set down the middle right now. They don't need Stadnika to step in as a center. Um, and I mean, you remember the beginning years of Sagan, not that they're really comparable, but the beginning years of Sagan, uh, he was on the wing a lot, and his point totals were not crazy. That's part of why I think that the Bruins jumped on him so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bruins probably should not do the same thing with Stanika. I also don't think they have the off-ice issues with Stanika that maybe someone like Sagan carried. Uh, but yes. let's get into – so obviously you mentioned Swayman being hurt by uh, the shortened season. Jack Khan's another one who is somebody who is, I think, overlooked by a lot of people, just signed the entry-level deal with the Bruins. Um how is he going to be impacted by this sort of shortened season? And what do you sort of see for him being the plan going forward? Yeah, I think Jack Ashan's a guy who um, is definitely probably the most, I wouldn't say overlooked because he's just signed in March. He's a college free agent. But I think if you're looking for a guy who probably doesn't need a, a ton of seasoning at the AHL level before he could potentially be a contributor, I think he's a guy who he was ranked seven in our list just because he hasn't, seen a game up in the pro ranks yet but you look at his game and he's 23 years old uh he's 5'8 which is kind of stands out as a defenseman but if you want to find kind of the next potential replacement to a guy like Tory Krug again you gotta see how he develops they got, their, they got the Tory Krug replacement they yeah, got him I mean, I mean like you look at his game uh it, it reminds you quite a bit about kind of what Krug brings I mean he's a power play guy he's a great playmaker. Um, and even though he's five, eight, you watch the clips and he's doesn't let his height kind of, uh, impact the way he plays. I mean, he's throwing his weight around. He's a guy who's blocking shots. Um, 
I think the Bruins are pretty excited that they, they got him uh, as a college free agent. So I think he was with maybe the Avalanche for a few development camps. Um, he's, I, I believe, from Minnesota. He went to St. Cloud State. Um, so I think they were pretty excited to, to sign him uh, as a college free agent. So I think he's a guy who could rise up the ranks pretty quickly. I don't know how you project this season for him now in Providence. If it was a full season, he could very well be a guy that if you got to February and March and he had 40, 50 games under his belt, maybe he's a guy you call up eventually. I mean, I think he's a guy that even maybe more than a Zaboral could, you know, develop into maybe that replacement as a top four guy. Again, you got to see how he develops, how he handles this bigger competition in the pro ranks. But I think he's a guy you should really be excited for. Yeah. I mean, that it sort of seems like he's, the next wave of someone who could step in for the Bruins and kind of come alive in the postseason, sort of like a Connor Clifton did um, <laughs> in 2018-19. And it feels like the Bruins have these good young defensemen who are in the, you know, in the prospect ranks uh, that have, that are kind of, they're kind of waiting on to, to jump up, you know, Vakanine and Saboro feels like a, a Sean could jump them both. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a, it's a kind of a, underdog projection to make for this upcoming season that feels like it could come true. Um, but again, it's that shortened AHL season that I think is really going to potentially hurt these guys. I mean, as we said in a few, you know, that has been reported by the AHL, uh, mm-hmm. February 5th is their projected start date. So they might only have three to four months of a season. That's not great for, you know, a kid like Swayman who needs all this development time or someone like Ashan, who, as you said, could be seeing himself as a call up in March. So, uh, the prospect stuff never ends, which is which is always great. Um, but yeah, so this has been Poke the Bear episode 17. Uh, is there anything you are uh, working on at BSJ that people can look forward to reading? Yeah, I think after doing all these prospect rankings, I think we're going to do a few more countdowns as we wait for more concrete news from the NHL as to when we can expect new season of stats. So I think we're going to look at uh, the top trades of the uh, since the 05 lockout. So I think there's... 70 plus trades. So we're going to spend a long time looking at a few of them. We've already done a few of those rankings we did back in June before the training camp started up for the new season. Um, but there's a whole bunch of uh, swings, swings and misses, a few home runs. Um, so we're going to break all those down at BSJ over the next couple of weeks, along with, again, all the latest news on when we can expect the new season of stats. So you can follow us over at bostonsportsjournal.com, subscribe there. You can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. And I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan. This is Poke the Bear episode 17. And you listeners, stay healthy and have a great rest of your day.